Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. It's Hoops Tonight presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is safe and secure. Getting your money out is super easy. You can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. And I love building those same game parlays. And FanDuel is now live in Ohio. So use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, and Ohio. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in LA. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Dial 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week. We got a jam-packed show for you tonight. The Warriors, once again, struggling on the road. The Minnesota Timberwolves picking up their sixth win in eight tries without Rudy Gobert. We're going to spend some time talking about the Wolves, their overall team structure. The Warriors... How, what to make of these struggles continuing on the road? Uh, Draymond Green somehow slipping uh, beneath the radar with a quote to Taylor, uh, Taylor Rooks a couple weeks ago. 
about his free agency. I have some thoughts there. We're going to do, uh, do a little bit of a deep dive on the Portland Trailblazers and how I think they can make one last attempt to try to get Damian Lillard in a position where he can compete for a championship. And then, last but not least, George, uh, Jamal Crawford has some thoughts about Luka and James Harden that I wanted to dive into. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. If for whatever reason you guys miss one of these shows and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, remember you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. And then last but not least, um, today actually marks one year since I started with the volume. Um, I am going to be here for a while longer. I want to just take a second to thank you guys uh, for supporting the show. Uh, it's been a wild year. It's been a ton of fun. It's been super fun to see it grow. And I've really enjoyed interacting with you guys and finding out what you guys like in building the show around uh, the way that we like to talk about basketball. And I'm really excited to continue to build that with you guys over the next couple of years. So cheers to one year and cheers to hopefully many more years to come. Um, all right, let's talk some basketball. So I thought the Warriors soundly outplayed the Wolves for the most part tonight. But then there, right in the middle of the fourth quarter, D'Angelo Russell got just obnoxiously hot from three to the point where it didn't matter what defense the Warriors were playing. That last step back three hit was very well contested. And he just knocked it down. And, and it's funny because, you know, as the league has changed, one of the super unique ways that the league has changed is because of the high volume of three-point shots, not just in catch-and-shoot situations, but primarily in, uh, uh, you know, primary ball handler situations, pull-up threes, or the ability to get to spots and kick to wide-open shooters. No game is ever over. You know, a team that defends as well as Golden State does, and I thought Golden State for the most part defended really well tonight. For a team that defends as well as they do, you expect that game to be over if you're up double digits in the fourth quarter in control. But in the NBA, all it takes now is one guy getting hot. And that's the weird thing is like these shots are so difficult, but when the footwork is dialed in, when the rhythm and the energy transfer is dialed in, when that release is dialed in, there's not really anything you can do. And the Warriors basically had their hands tied behind their back as D'Angelo Russell slapped them uh, to get back into the game. And then from there, that's where they snapped into those old Warriors, where they were sloppy, you know, turning the basketball over, taking bad shots, um, a couple of missed key rebounds there down the stretch. That's where it started to look, you know, because I had uh, uh, one of my friends, uh, Swipa, who covers the uh, Denver Nuggets, huge Nikola Jokic fan. I went on his show last week. Uh, he said, he asked me after the game, he goes, at what point is this who the Warriors are? And it's funny because, you know, generally speaking, when I'm evaluating teams that don't have a championship pedigree, I look a lot at what you do during the regular season. But with the Warriors, I do want to give them a lot more benefit of the doubt. I feel like they've earned that over the course of the last decade or so. Um, but, you know, the reality is, is it is concerning that given the situation with the urgency, given the opportunity to string together a win streak, that, you know, basic details at the end of the game got sloppy for the Warriors in what was a very winnable game. I'm going to talk a lot about the Wolves. And the Wolves, I thought, outplayed Golden State from an effort standpoint down the stretch. I thought they deserved to win. And we're going to talk a little bit about their team structure, and they have a lot of reasons to be optimistic. But the reality is, is like that, like D'Lo fouled out. 
Anthony Edwards more or less had an off night. You know, Rudy Gobert's out. Nobody really can create a shot. You should win that game. And you didn't. And I thought in a lot of ways it came down to those specific details. I wanted to shout out a couple of specific Wolves, and then we're going to talk about um, Minnesota's team structure a little bit. Nas Reed, when Ant was getting trapped and being forced to give up basketball a lot, and then when D'Lo finally cooled off after his hot uh, streak, somebody needed to create a shot for Minnesota, and Nas Reed did. He had a really nice post move on uh, Draymond Green, a really nice left-handed uh, hook in the lane. And then in a pick-and-pop possession on the left wing, he pump-baked got Draymond to fly by and knock down a three. It was a huge play. And then, unfortunately for Nas Reed, he got three additional wide-open looks, two at the end of regulation and one in OT that he missed. And I'm sure he was kicking himself. And he missed that last three there in the corner. But Draymond missed a box out. And Nas Reed got the basketball. And I'm sure it felt good to have that vicious one-handed dunk along the baseline to tie things off. I think Nas Reed's done a really nice job for Minnesota this year. It hasn't always showed up on the scoreboard, but this team does have a lot of funkiness going on. I don't, I don't put it all on him. Um, and then Anthony Edwards in OT. Again, after D'Lo fouled out, uh, even despite the traps, he just said, screw it, I'm just going to attack Andrew Wiggins and made a play to avoid those traps. When you call in those screening actions, you know, there's a one way to look at it, which is like, oh, I'm creating an advantage for my team because I'm drawing a second defender that gives me the ability to put the other team in rotation in a four on three. Uh, but, you know, sometimes in a situation like that, especially for a really good defensive team like the Warriors, you're not going to get great stuff out of that four on three. So you're almost better off with your with Anthony Edwards, your superstar, going head-to-head with their best perimeter defender and trying to make a play, and he did. And then he had another really nice left-handed layup uh, in transition. Again, Ant, with everything with him, I think is going to come down to his pull-up jump shot in the long run. I think he's going to have to get to the point where he is reliable with that pull-up jump shot. It has not been this season after it was towards the end of last season and after he knocked down a bunch of them in the playoffs. That's the thing I'm going to keep an eye on him with his development. So Minnesota's won six out of eight. You know, a lot of times when I'm doing this show, I come up with a theme uh, that kind of ties a bunch of specific topics together. Like yesterday, we were talking about talent when teams have to put their foot on the gas. Uh, tonight, I want to talk about defensive front courts. And, um, you know, when we, when we look at Minnesota in particular, they made a trade that I actually kind of fundamentally agree with from the standpoint of strategy, which is we need to get a lockdown you know, anchor, like a foundational anchor with Rudy Gobert. I just disagreed in the sense that I thought they overpaid. And then the actual structure of the team around Gobert reminded me of a bunch of the Utah Jazz. They, they Their core lineup still featured a bunch of poor perimeter defensive players. And I didn't think they had the level of offensive skill they needed to thrive with two bigs on the floor. But the Rudy Gobert piece is very important. And this is where I want to take a look back because we're going to talk about Rudy Gobert. We're going to talk about uh, um, Draymond Green, and we're going to talk about Yusuf Nurkic, three centers in the NBA today. And you know what's funny is if you look back through NBA history and you just look at champions, every single champion in recent NBA history has a very, very, very good defensive front court, either at the center position or both the center and the power forward position, right? Last year, I've got Draymond Green, one of the top you know, four or five defensive players of all time alongside Kevon Looney. The year before, I've got Brooke Lopez and Giannis Antetokounmpo, two of the best rim protectors in the NBA. The year before that, I've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis. The year before that, I've got Kawhi Leonard, Serge Ibaka, 
in Marcus Gasol when they would play big. The year before that, I've got KD and Draymond. The year before that, I've got KD and Draymond. The year before that, I've got LeBron James and Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love. And LeBron, obviously, defensively at that point was a much better player. Before that, I've got Draymond Green. Before that, I've got Tim Duncan. Before that, I've got LeBron and Chris Bosh. Before that, I've got Tyson Chandler. Before that, Pau Gasol. You, you know, it, it's just... The, the reality is, as we go back through NBA history, you need to be not just good defensively in the front court, but you need to be great defensively in the front court. And that's an important thing that we're going to keep coming back to during tonight's show. So I understand and I respect the move to go after Rudy Gobert. I just disagreed with the overall team plan. And I'm really curious to see which direction they go at this deadline and moving forward in the coming summers. Because there's a bunch of things as a Wolves fan to be very excited about. Anthony Edwards is one of my favorite young players in the league. And I think he is on a superstar trajectory. He reminds me of the two-guard version of LeBron, just an unstoppable bully ball downhill player that hopefully will pick up enough pull-up shooting to be able to balance it all out when it comes to slow down half-court environments. But then I've also got that foundational defensive center in Rudy Gobert. And yes, he's got offensive limitations. We've talked about that. But he's so damn good defensively that I think it's, you know, worth it in the aggregate as long as you have the right players around him. Then we look at the rest of the roster and, you know, look at the job that Kyle Anderson did tonight. Blocking shots at the rim and using his length to cause problem for the problems for the Warriors. Look at the job Jaden McDaniels did tonight on Steph Curry. You know, by the end of that game, Steph was exhausted. That last three that he took that could have tied the game in overtime didn't get any lift on it. You could see it look funky from the standpoint of his energy transfer. Now, a lot of that's because his injury, and he doesn't have the uh, you know the conditioning that he had before his injury. That's going to take another week or two. That's normal. Uh, but a lot of it was that physicality and the ball pressure that Jaden McDaniels applied all night long. Both of those guys, too, represents two specific types of forwards that I always talk about. Jaden McDaniels, that skinnier, faster forward, and Kyle Anderson a little bit slower, but bigger, taller, longer. They've got a lot of things tied together. But, you know, you guys know I'm not a huge D'Angelo Russell fan. His pull-up jump shot, you know, tends to fail him against really good defenses, in large part because he's got a low release. He doesn't elevate very high. He's kind of a set-shooting uh, pull-up jump shooter. So that's, that's and then I don't think he's a very good defensive player. So I think D'Angelo Russell is a kind of a funky fit. And then you've got this Carl Towns thing. But the way that I would look at it, foundationally, I've got Ant. Foundationally, I've got Rudy Gobert. I've got my wings. I need backup ball handling and shooting that fits within what we, uh, what the, the Wolves are trying to do within their scheme. That's why I'd be looking at this deadline for, you know, there's a bunch of guys that are available. I'd be looking at guys like Jordan Clarkson from the Utah Jazz. I think he can be got, um, you know, I think he's achievable. Guys like Terry Rozier, you know, um, the other thing you could do is you could look to be much more aggressive. I don't know if you're going to be able to do it at this deadline, but maybe at some point in the future for a star level ball handler and flip Carl Towns for him. There's going to be some team around the league that's going to value what Carl Towns does. Uh, that team will then be dealing with the same front court defense problems that we're talking about, but maybe they don't see it that way and they see a bunch of value on Carl Towns. But that type of flip might be something that allows for the right amount of ball handling and shooting alongside that core to make it work. But make no mistake, those two pieces, that that uh, Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert, with the type of wing defense that they have, they're close. They just need to figure out their backup ball handling. So um, talking a little bit of Warriors, Again, I thought the Warriors actually played a great game until D'Angelo Russell's 
hot streak. So I don't want to be too negative as it pertains to their road struggles because I think they were a little shell-shocked. And then a bunch of things didn't go their way down the stretch. I mean, even at the end of regulation, Steph comes over a pick and roll, gets a wide open pull-up 15-footer. They got a lot of wide open shots down the stretch in the fourth quarter for Steph because of guard-to-guard actions. And the fact that uh, Minnesota really did not want to switch Jaden McDaniels in those screens. And because they weren't switching, he was getting caught on those little ghost screens or guard-to-guard screens. And Steph was getting a lot of really good looks. I would venture to guess that on that type of separation, Steph is shooting close to 70%, if not better, on pull-up twos when he's that open. So, again, I want to stay positive. He That's as good a look as you're going to get at the end of a game. It just didn't go in. You know, and and sometimes it goes like that, but I am disappointed in their overall execution down the stretch. But to um, that question, what, at what point do we accept the Warriors are the Warrior are, are who they show us during the regular season? I'm going to wait till the playoffs. I'm sorry, as long as they're in there, if they're in the, I don't care if they're the eight seed, I don't care if they have to win a play-in game, if they're going on the road and they're playing Denver and they're at full health, I'll be picking Golden State to win that series. I'm sorry, I've seen too much. From Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, Draymond Green, Kevon Looney, and Andrew Wiggins. I've seen too much from that group to think that suddenly in the last year they forgot how to play basketball. They have some urgency issues. They got some execution issues. They got some things they got to iron out. Make no mistake. But if if you want to bet against them, be my guest. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to continue to give the benefit of the doubt to the team that I've seen time and time again do what it takes to get the trophy. That said, there was a little interview uh, that was going around earlier today. It was either today or yesterday, but Bob Myers was on local Golden State Radio. And uh, a really good interview question from, uh, I wish I, I, I should have wrote down who the gentleman was, so I apologize on that front. But he said, uh, do you want to make a trade at the deadline or do you need to make a trade at the deadline? And Bob Myers basically said both, but when he elaborated on it, what he said is, I don't like our margin for error right now. And you've heard me use that phrase a lot on this show. And the concept behind that phrase is, these teams are all super good. Boston's amazing. Milwaukee is amazing. Brooklyn, when they're healthy, is amazing. Philly is amazing. Denver is amazing. All these teams are good. You're going to have to be very, very good to win. And even if you are, you're probably going to win by this much. So there is not a lot of margin for error. And what he talked about was like back in 2017 and 2018, if you would have asked me that same question, I would have said, no, we don't need to make a trade because our margin for error was where he was comfortable. And so that's where I look at this. Like, even if Steph and Draymond and Kevon Looney and Andrew Wiggins and all those guys get it together, they're not as deep as they were last year. And some of the teams they've played have gotten better. And some of the teams they're going to play weren't in the mix last year. So their margin for error is significantly smaller. And that's why, like, one bench piece here, I I saw Jared Vanderbilt get thrown out as an option in the trade market for the Warriors. I love that idea. Just another big, lanky, athletic forward, that big power forward mold that can help them a lot in their bench lineups defensively and grabbing rebounds. I would like to see them make a deal Because this margin for error isn't something that I would be comfortable with, and I understand why Bob Myers feels that way. But it is time for them to pick it up. Because, again, your margin for error shrinks based on your matchup quality. I I would pick Golden State to win against Denver in a 1-8 matchup, but that's a tough series. Maybe you come out of that series a little banged up. 
And now you got to go play Memphis, a big physical team, and you could have some problems there. Right? So, like, if fatigue can pile up and things can get harder and harder as thing goes along, things go along. Now, I tweeted this this morning, and I truly believe it. I think Golden State has more talent. The Clippers have more talent. The Lakers have more talent. And the Kings have built a little bit of a gap. So, my guess is that the final six in the conference will go something like Denver, Memphis, Sacramento, Golden State, the Clippers, and the Lakers. Because those teams are all going to have to hit the Jets here down the stretch, and they all have the requisite talent. But it needs to happen eventually, and tonight you would have expected it to happen. So it's a little discouraging, and I get that. Um, I want to talk Draymond for a second. Somehow this went under the radar. I, I, I saw it somewhere on Twitter randomly. And I sent it to Ryan, our producer, and he was like, how did we not see this over the last couple of weeks? And I was like, I don't know. The uh, Somehow, I didn't see it, but Taylor Rooks did an interview with Draymond Green, and he said, quote unquote, she asked him do you, like basically about his pending free agency, and he said, quote, quite frankly, the writing's on the wall. I understand the business, end quote. He elaborated after that to say, I would love to be a warrior. So he wants to stay, but it seems like he's expecting, or at least preparing himself for emo emotionally for something for, for him to potentially have to go elsewhere. And just in terms of life advice, I thought it was a really, really uh, interesting clip from Draymond. He basically talked about how like you, you set yourself up for disappointment when you expect things, when you feel like you deserve things. And the reality is, is it is a business and it's better for you to learn the business so you can be prepared to fight for yourself than it is for you to, just expect that you deserve something and to have it come your way. You're going to get heartbroken if that happens. You know what I mean? And so I, I thought that was a really interesting bit from Draymond. Um, but anyway, I, 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 this is why I wanted to bring this up tonight, to come back to our original topic as we were talking about front court. Here's the reality. If you let Draymond go, you're going to be running it back next year with what, James Wiseman and Kevon Looney? And... Kevon Looney's a good defensive player. I think he's better on switches. Uh, he holds up better on switches compared to most centers as opposed to as a shot blocker. Uh, he had a big block down the stretch tonight against Jade McDaniels, but he's not the best shot blocker in the world. But no matter what, a Wiseman-Looney front court is going to overnight be one of the middle of the pack, if not worst, defensive front courts in the Western Conference. And all we have to do is look at NBA history to know that that's not winning anything. And the reason why that's so important, foundationally, we talk about this all the time. Most NBA possessions begin with a pick and roll. Your big man is the captain of the defense. He's quarterbacking, calling out the plays, getting guys in the right spot, calling out the coverages. His job in pick and roll is extremely difficult. He has to guard multiple defenders. He has to contain a ball handler while dealing with a rim threat. He's got to win contested rebound battles. He's got to run up and down the floor in transition. There's so many things that a big man has to do. It is vitally important. Joel Embiid, I uh, think last year, went on with J.J. Redick and talked about how he thought a center absolutely must win defensive player of the year every year because of their intellectual responsibilities in the defense. That's why we see those names as I'm listing the uh, champions in, in NBA history. But here's the thing. Kevon Looney's fine, but the Warriors this year, with Looney on the floor and no Draymond, gave up a 118 defensive rating. So if that's your plan, it's going to go poorly. Right now, so here's the thing. Lakeup's probably thinking, man, like Draymond probably wants four years, 25 million a year or something like that. I don't know exactly what he wants, but I would imagine Draymond would be comfortable around 100 million in a four-year deal. 
The thing that's tricky with that is like Lakeup's just thinking about luxury tax and how, you know, maybe it's time to move on. But the reality is, is right now, Draymond is still a top three defender in the world. That's a fact. He and Steph alone automatically make you a championship contender. If there is a point where he declines and he's no longer worth $25 million, it'll probably be in the second half of that deal, third year, fourth year. And there's, and it's not like you're not going to be able to trade it. That's not a, there's no such thing as a bad contract at $25 million in the modern NBA because that's just salary filler. That is a vehicle with which to obtain other players. Now, if it's $45 million, yeah, that could be an albatross and cause a bunch of problems. But Draymond, I, I don't know, but I doubt Draymond is out here thinking he's going to get $45 million a year. So sign the damn guy. Sign. He deserves it. He's still good enough. And it's the smart asset management decision. Sign him for whatever he needs. Four years, 120, four years, 100, whatever. It's a tradable deal. He keeps you viable as a defensive front court in the immediate future. And if for whatever reason it goes south, all you've paid is some luxury tax because he's just going to be a vehicle with which you can get another player. The, the, the Warriors have first-round draft picks. He's a perfect salary vehicle to make a trade. I just don't understand uh, uh, even considering letting him walk. Joe Lacob cannot make this mistake. You, ha- you, you have to pay Draymond and keep him around. All right, we're going to move on to the Blazers. So the Blazers won in Memphis tonight, 122 to 112. Kind of a shocking outcome. I saw this one going an entirely different way. Memphis uh, finally ended their losing streak the other night. I thought they were going to be uh, ready to kind of play some more serious basketball. But what's funny is ever since ever since John Morant said nobody in the West scares him, all they've done is lose games to the Western Conference, which is a whole other thing. Memphis, I continue to just view as an unserious basketball team that is destined for a second-round exit. But we will see what happens. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. Uh, but Dame tonight goes for 42-8-10. and 10. In his last 11 games, he's averaging 39 points per game and 8 assists per game. But despite that absurd level of play, the Blazers are just 6-5 and five in that 11-game span. They're still below 500, and they're still out of the West play-in game at the 11th seed. And this is not a team like the Lakers where you're like, it's cool, Anthony Davis is on the way. No, no, no. Dame has played in every game in this 11-game stretch. Anthony Simons has played in every game in this 11-game stretch. Jeremy Grant has played in every game in this 11-game stretch. Gary Payton the second has played in almost every game. Josh Hart has played in almost every game. Yusuf Nurkic has played in almost every game. They are whole and bad. If you guys remember, about a week or so ago, it was either a week or two ago, I can't remember, but I basically talked about how if there, I, I, if there was any way that Portland could try to save this thing, it needed to start with Nurkic. And again, it goes back to everything I was just talking about with that defensive front court. Dame, they, they have all the boxes checked except for that. They've got a super-duper star that can go toe-to-toe with any star in the league, Damian Lillard. We've seen him do it time and time again. They've got a good backup shot creator in Anthony Simons. They've got another shot creator who's also that rim-pressuring forward that you guys know I like so much in Jeremy Grant. They have outstanding perimeter defensive wings. Gary Payton II, one of the best in the league. Jeremy Grant, very, very good. Josh Hart, very, very good defensive wing in this league. So why can't they get stops? Because of everything that we talked about earlier in the show and the responsibilities that the big man has on the floor. Now, there's a couple of different names that I mentioned in that specific pod, but I keep coming back to one guy. They have to be the team that gets super aggressive with Miles Turner. 
the way that Indiana structured his extension um, is set up in a way, and it has something to do with the way they set up his declining salary structure. And I'm not a capologist, um, but the, you know, uh, like essentially the way they structured it makes it so that he's still trade eligible before this deadline. Now, Rick Carlisle's reported, didn't even report, just came out and said in a press conference that he's off the trading block. But, you know, it's very clear that they set up the, tr- the contract in a way that, you know, makes him tradable. And while I do think they view him as a solid defensive uh, centerpiece for their guard-heavy rotation, I also think that if they were given the right offer that they would still pull the trigger. So whether it's at this deadline or it's this summer, I think that Portland has to put everything down to try to go get Miles Turner. I think he's the best readily available guy in that category. Or hey, maybe they're the team that ends up going for Draymond Green if Joe Lakeup is foolish enough to let him go. Um, but they need to have somebody in that specific spot. Now, if you put Damian Lillard, Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, Jeremy Grant, and Draymond, or Miles Turner, now you're a serious basketball team. Not only that, you know, they're really bad defensively in the backcourt, right? Dame's one of the worst guard defenders in the league. Anthony Simons is only okay. You know, but you simplify their responsibilities with a really good center. The problem is, is when Dame and Anthony are basically just porous, on the backcourt defensively, they don't have anybody on the backline that can clean things up. But when you have a real backline defensive player, a defensive anchor, you actually simplify the defensive responsibilities for Damon for Anthony. Now they can ball pressure, knowing that they have safety on the backline as long as they're willing to make rotations after the fact. That's simple. Go, like just pressure the ball and then rotate when you get beat is a lot easier than like if you get beat, it's game over because Yusuf Nurkic isn't stopping anybody at the rim. But from there, then they would cross every box. They'd have the superstar. They'd have the backup shot creation. They'd have the rim pressuring forward. They have the wing defenders and they'd have the defensive anchor and they have plenty of shooting. So I, I think that needs to be the strategy that they go with either at this deadline or heading into next offseason. They have to, at one point, give Dame a shot with a real rim protector. All right, last take before we get out of here tonight. Jamal Crawford basically came out and said that um, James Harden was doing all the same stuff Luka Doncic was doing back in 2018 and didn't get this kind of love. Um, and t- this to me is one of my least favorite takes that I see flying around. And, it, and Jamal Crawford is not the first to do it. But I, I, see the, I see the beginning of it. There are similarities in their approach. Like James Harden is a dribble the ball off the floor, spread floor, perfect spacing principles, I'm going to beat my man off the dribble with ISO or in pick and roll and basically determine the outcome of every single possession. And Luca does the same thing. Although I do think Luca does it a little bit more out of necessity because of the roster. And I'm really curious to see a phase of Luca's career where he's playing alongside a bona fide co-star, which all the reporting is, is that Mark Cuban is basically willing to sell his soul for a star at this deadline and that everybody's available, not named Luca to try to get that done. So we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, I'm not sure which specific star they'd be targeting, um, I don't think OG Ananobi moves the needle enough for them. And and he's not good enough offensively to really justify it. But we'll see what they end up doing. But, like, the reality is, is that's the only similarity. Luka controls every possession. James Harden controls every possession. The reason why I see a huge chasm between those two guys is James Harden, in those years, 2018, 2019, he only did four things ever with the basketball. He would either make a read, make a pass, right? Or he'd shoot a step back three or he'd get all the way to the rim for a layup or he'd take a short floater in the lane. That was really more kind of starting in that 2019 season when he added the floater. 
but it was extremely repetitive. And so as a result, when they get to the postseason, it's different when you're on a random Tuesday in January showing up in Houston to play the Rockets. And, you know, and you're, you know, you're, you know, a, a wing defender who has that, that responsibility. And it's like, oh, I got to guard James Harden tonight. It's going to be a pain in the ass. But in a seven game playoff series, what happens? You see him in game one, then you see him in game two, then you see him in game three, then you see him in game four. And in a hundred possession game, James Harden is starting 80 of those possessions in a playoff series. And you're seeing the same thing every single time. And so you start to kind of pick up on the little body language cues that set up specific shots or specific moves, and you start to guard him better. We think of uh, James Harden as a playoff underperformer or someone who struggles, but look a little deeper. I want you guys to go just for fun, go to James Harden's game logs in 2018 or 2019. Look at how well he performs in game one of a playoff series compared to the rest of the series. That's exactly that effect. Early in the series, he's got the advantage. As the series progresses, he becomes more predictable. People solve him. And that's why he has so many catastrophic flameouts late in playoff series, especially when the series is on the line. Now we look at Luka. He actually goes up a level in the playoffs. Why do you guys think that is? Now, Luka takes step back threes. Luka goes all the way to the rim. Luka takes floaters. But he also takes... Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of other shots. He's got post-up fadeaways over both shoulders. He's got like 17 different types of push shots and pop shot shots and hook shots and things in the short range. He can straight up just take a step back jumper in the mid range a lot in ISOs. If you actually look at shot charts from Luka Doncic on any given game, just take a random Luka Doncic shot chart from last week and compare it to a random shot chart of James Harden in 2019. And in James Harden, you're going to see a lot of dots around the three-point line. And you're going to see a lot of dots right around the rim. And you're going to see one or two dots in the paint from his floaters. If you look at Luka, you're going to see a bunch of shots around the top of the key. You're going to see a few in that 20-foot range. You're going to see a few in that 15-foot range. You're going to see a few in that 10-foot range. And then you're going to see a few in the restricted area. There's variety in what he does. Now, a lot of people will say that play style can't win. I disagree. He just went to the conference finals in his early 20s without a legitimate co-star. LeBron James has done it several times in his career with a similar style. I think every single one of those guys, when they win, has a legit backup option. LeBron could throw it down to Anthony Davis. He could get a basket. He could throw it to Kyrie Irving. He could get a basket. He could throw it to Bosher Wade. They could get baskets. There's nobody at near those levels playing for Dallas. And he still has had the playoff success that he has had. James Harden has been on extremely good teams with Chris Paul at the peak of his powers flanking him. And those series were lost because James Harden could not mimic his regular season success. That's why I look at variety a lot in that intricate shot making, that improvisational shot making with the superstars. Because if you're improvisational, you're not predictable. If you're not predictable, you'll actually excel as series go longer. Because now you're going to solve the defensive player instead of the defensive player solving you. That's what makes Luka Doncic and James Harden so different. And I really don't feel the comparisons with them. Like, I, I feel... 
know, we'll see what happens. But I feel almost certain that Luka Doncic is going to win multiple NBA championships. He's just too good. And he's got so many areas that he can easily improve as he matures with his conditioning, with his effort on the defensive end. Imagine right now he's doing all this with an absurd usage rate. Imagine what will happen when he has a legitimate flanking co-star and he can be more selective with his shots. And when he's tired, like there are possessions where Luka's exhausted and everyone's looking at him like, you got to make the play. If he's on the right type of roster, he won't have to do that. If he's with Chris Paul in 2018, he doesn't have to do that. So I, I, I think that, I don't think it's fair to put those two guys together. And I wanted to elaborate on that a little bit. All right, guys, that is all I have for tonight. Uh, we may or may, may not be back tomorrow night covering uh, Clippers, Bucks, and Nuggets, Warriors. It depends on a couple things because I'm getting ready to head out of town on Friday morning. Uh, but I'll keep you guys posted. Just keep an eye on my Twitter feed. As always, I appreciate your guys' support. And I'll see you guys tomorrow or later this week. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.